Well, as you're having a seat, church, glad you're here. Would you grab your Bibles and open up to Galatians students? I hope you all have a great, a great class. See you all later. Big student crew. Love that. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> we are continuing in our series in Galatians. Great job, band. Thank you all very much. Um, where we are walking through verse by verse, the Apostle Paul is writing to really a group of churches or a collective of churches, if you will. And he, uh, these, this group of churches has uh, begun to stray. They've begun to believe in some false teachings and of some false um, teachers have kind of infiltrated and have begun to uh, um, tell these Galatian Christians that they need to believe in Jesus plus a few other things in order to really be spiritual, in order to really be loved by God, in order to really experience God in a full and meaningful way. Um, and this type of thinking, this line of thinking is just rampant even today in the church. It's one of the very first heresies that crept into the church uh, after Christ ascended to be with the Father, was Jesus needs a little help from whatever it is to really experience the fullness of God. And that message today uh, is still happening. Uh, and it's still being talked about. And we as believers, this isn't just even something that, this is for believers. Paul's preaching to Christians. Paul's writing this letter to Christians. We as believers are enticed by this. I just need, a, I need, I need the deeper things. I need to go beyond the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe there's something more for me if only I can achieve this, that, or the other. And we are enticed and intoxicated by these things, whether it's an experience, uh, whether it's a um, intellectual ladder that we long to climb. And the harder that it is to attain to, the more we want it. Because then we can say, yeah, but you should listen to me because I found this new way. It's really difficult, but if you do it like me, then, uh, then you'll really get it. So this is what Paul is combating. Uh, Paul has been thus far all the way through the book been really talking about that it's not Jesus plus something, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That it's justification that your salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And he is ringing that bell. And today he's going to uh, pivot a little bit. I think of Friends in that episode where he's on the staircase. Pivot, right? Um, that wasn't planned. It's just pivot. Every time I hear the word pivot, Paul's going to pivot, right? And he's going to get that self. He's going to change it a little bit. And he's going to go from uh, justification to sanctification. These are just big Bible churchy words for uh, justification is you're saved. Sanctification is now how do we grow in Christ. Okay, so this is what he's going to be talking about. The verses we're going to be in this morning, uh, I'll just say up front, they're strange. They're like, what are you talking about? We don't talk like this today. Paul does, but he's doing so, and it's very, very important, and it's very meaningful, and it is intensely practical for us today. So Galatians, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to read 12 through 20. Um, so here we go. The Apostle Paul. Uh, teaching to this collective of churches, writing to this collective of churches that have believed a false gospel. Brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. 
You know that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For that I testify to you, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you would make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Wow, that's quite a collection of verses, right? I mean, there's eyes being gouged out, there's childbirth pains, there's... Uh, a, there's some bodily ailment happening. It's like, oh my goodness, this is just, I don't even like reading these. Try reading out loud to a group of people, right? It's just like, what do, how does this helpful to us? But I want, we're gonna, I, I wanna pause. Can we put verse 19 back up here? Verse 19 is, is, is like, wow. You should underline verse 19 in your Bible. Verse 19 says this, Christ formed in us. Verse 19 tells us what God wants for every single one of us. What God wants for every single one of us. Christ formed in us. And when that happens, we don't have to fake it anymore. We can kind of quit posing. When Christ gets involved, it becomes intensely personal to us intensely practical at every level to us. See, we can do really good things. We can do nice things. We can be nice, agreeable people without an ounce of God, without an ounce of Christ being formed in us. And the only reason to open up to Christ in this profound and personal way is when you finally come to the place where you're just fed up with faking it and posing and trying to put your mask on. Um, when you're tired of living a life that says, I just need to keep a good face, I need to make sure all of the appearances are doing well, and I'm going to try really hard not to just mess up. Because if they would really see me and know me, they wouldn't want any part of me. See, verse 19 tells us, God has a lot more for us than living a life that's just trying not to mess up. Way more. He wants to give us nothing less than Christ formed in us. That's huge. Christ formed in me. Christ formed in you. I mean, is that... I, that this verse struck me in a profound way this week. Is that even a category for you? Do we even think about the Lord in this way? Now, um, verse 19 is, is jarring. Um, and it's a little bit unsettling. Because it is a wake-up call, if you will, 
to every complacent status quo, just get by, just don't ruffle the feathers uh, Christian, right? And when you read verse 19, it poses sort of the inverse question. If Christ is, can be formed in us, I began thinking to myself, well, if Christ can be formed in you, and Paul's coming at him hard and saying, I am laboring for you like I'm giving birth to a child so that Christ might be formed in you. He's passionate about it. If that can happen, it raises a new question. Do I know if, if Christ isn't being formed in me, what is? This, this kind of idea says, if Christ isn't being formed in you, then there's a possibility that someone else is being formed in you in a profound way that is making, in, just making inroads into your life into your spiritual health, into your family, into your mind, and into your heart. Who's forming you? Where are you being formed? And I think the things that we go back to over and over and over again, the things that we are drawn to, the things that... um, that we just sort of mull over and think about and we long to have if we don't already have them or if we do have them, we think about them and we want to keep them. The my preciouses of our life, if you're a nerd like me and like Lord of the Rings. Always try to throw a Tolkien or some kind of reference in there, right? Um, What are those things for you? These are the things that begin to form us. The things that we just maybe passively let form us by just sitting down and binge watching and just not pressing stop and we just let them keep coming in. And we just let whatever that show is that we just wanna know the next thing to just keep on coming on in and we just, 15 hours later, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even think straight, right? I mean, I've never done that, certainly. The podcast you just can't get enough of that you just refresh. You're like, oh, I can't wait to hear whatever she says next. I can't wait to hear whatever they say next or he says next. The web pages that you visit at night when no one's watching are forming you. They're forming your opinions, your thoughts, your heart. Um, who's forming you? Hopefully, not that noise. That doesn't happen again. Uh, advertising and marketing is banking on this. Uh, the reason we buy clothes, the reason we look like we do oftentimes, the reason that we even say certain things the way that we do is because uh, the world is really great at forming these things in us, right? Who's being formed in you? I, an example in my life, it's just, it seems silly, but it's just an example. Uh, I began hunting. Uh, I, I wasn't a hunter all growing up. And when I asked uh, my father-in-law, who's sitting in here today, to, uh, I wanted to make my intentions clear with his daughter. And so I called him up on the phone. I was, I don't know, 20 years old. I was 19 or 20. I was as nervous as can be. And I never had this conversation before. In fact, I think I'd only ever had one girlfriend. So the thought of calling my girlfriend's father was just terrifying to me. So I mustered up the courage and I called him up and I said, um, sir, I would like to maybe take you out to lunch and uh, talk, to, talk about my intentions with Ashley with you. And he goes, I don't do lunch. Let's go hunting. <laughs> yes, sir. 
words. It was a, there was a few more words, but that was kind of the essence of what had happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have guns. He's taking me to the woods. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't say no. I'm too nervous. And so we went out to the, so right. And so I began hunting and then fast forward like 20 years later and I still love it. I love going hunting. And now I, I listen to podcasts. I know there's a whole subculture for everyone. You could listen to podcasts about whitetail deer hunting and all the new gear that comes out and, and all the stuff. And uh, uh, I find myself in there, these guys go on these epic adventures, they do these backcountry hunts, and they wear all this like cool technical gear, and they're like, oh man, I could feel like a Navy SEAL if I could be like those guys. And I find myself wanting to buy camouflage that costs like $200 for some reason. <laughs> yes, I know you can buy camouflage for $4.50 at Walmart. I know that. But I want to be like these guys because they wear $200 camo, and they kill really awesome white-tailed deer. Maybe if I wear that, then I'll be able to do that, and I could fit in, and I could be just like them, and they'll have me on their podcast. <laughs> right? I want in. I want in the club. We let silly things form us like that. We let serious things form us like that. Who's forming you? Have you thought about that? Someone or something is forming you. Um, and there's a reason that, that we are like this. There's a reason that we do this without even thinking about it. And the reason you do this in your own ways, in your own little niche things that you like to listen to podcasts and research about, and the reason I do this in my own strange ways about uh, silly camouflage that costs way too much that I don't need, that I haven't bought yet, but I still really want to, um, it's because we're just not satisfied with ourselves. Uh, we wake up in the mirror and we look at ourselves and we're not satisfied with the person looking back at us. So we reach for all these other things to fill the void and to make us feel complete, to make us um, slot into the places that we're longing that we could be. And as we look around in the world, we're going to find people we admire, that we respect, that we love to listen to. Um, and you're going to take those things and you're going to begin to make them part of you. Or you're going to take evil, wicked things because they draw you in without you even notice. And you're going to take those in, you're going to make them part of you. And they're going to come to bear in your everyday life. In your marriage, in your friendships, in your children, in your work, in your friendships, in your church home. Um, it's the basics of all advertising. And Paul understands this. The Apostle Paul has an answer for this that is in us that we would have never come up with on our own. And God is saying to us today here in the passages that there is someone worthy of your trust. It's Christ. Christ can be the new you that you're longing. And he is the only one that, as Zach was just telling us, that will never fail you. When I get that new $900 camo set and I put it on, uh, it won't do anything for me. I'm still the same person. Christ always comes through in his promises. He does make you new. He does fill in the gaps that you need the very, very most. All those other things are shadows. They can be good things, but they are shadows of the main thing. Paul's saying, 
Don't let these other things form you. Christ is to be formed in you. Christ makes you worthy. Uh, Christ makes you new. And when he enters in, you don't have to fit into some petty mold that you thought you had to fit in anymore. Because he can take all different kinds of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation and bring them together under his banner and form them into a diverse, beautiful body that reflects a diverse, beautiful God. And that can start this morning. How? It's personal. I don't know what's going on here, guys. I apologize. Um, So, thus far, uh, Paul in Galatians has been talking about the doctrine of justification, right? We talked about that a little bit. But faith alone. And now it's like his his heart is sort of breaking open to these, these Christians And he's pouring out his anguish on these people who are being shaped by these false teachers who are taking advantage of them and they can't even see it. They don't even know. And what's happening here in Galatians is a love that Paul has for these Christians is willing to say hard things because these people are drifting from Jesus and they're dumping the gospel for flatterers who are using them. These flatterers are wanting a platform in their church. They're wanting to get noticed. And uh, they're, they're just dumping the true gospel and picking up these, what these guys are saying in the church. There's a lot of feel-good flattery out there that wants you to pull you away from the truth of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel. And Paul, so Paul, in our, the verses that we're in at the very beginning, he is reminding them of their history together, how kind of this got all, how this all got started, and how much he still hopes for them, and he's yearning for them, and it's not a selfish yearning, right? He, said, he doesn't say, I want you to be formed in me, right? He says, I want Christ to be formed in you, not Paul. I want Christ to be formed in you. And that is what this church is all about. I don't want to be formed in you. I got horrible ideas like I want to buy $200 camo. I don't want that for you. I want Christ to be formed in you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we're going to unpack these verses. We're going to linger the most in 19. And then uh, we're going to briefly look at the backstory as we uh, get into 19. Galatians 4, 12 through 16 says this, Paul, brothers, I entreat you, uh, become as I am, for, for I also have, have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And through my condition, though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? What's going on here? These are strange, I do admit, yes. So Paul comes to these, this Galatian church, this collection of churches, probably all mostly meeting in homes. And he's a church planter. And so he wants to establish the gospel amongst these people. And so he adapted 
uh, he contextualized and understood kind of what they believed and what they talked about. So he came into this place and Paul removed every cultural barrier to them so that all that they needed was Jesus. Jesus was their only threshold to walk over, to experience the gospel, to understand the gospel, to know the gospel, to be saved by God, right? And so now that was their only threshold was the cross and the resurrection. And he's big begging them here to just keep Jesus central. Don't add all this other stuff onto it. Now, apparently, Paul came to them with some strange physical affliction. He's diseased. A lot of, the, a lot of people think it's like some, um, he had something wrong with his eye. So he just, I don't know, it's kind of gross, right? He has some dro- like drooping, pussing, bleeding eye something going on. And so he's this old man. He's got some af- diseased affliction. And he's like, listen, you guys received me when I looked like this crazy old man with us coming out of my eye, and you still welcomed me in as your own family. It's like, you guys were incredible. Had I looked at myself, I wouldn't have listened to anything this guy was saying. So he's kind of just rehashing their, his history with them. I was this ugly little man, and you threw your arms open wide. Why? And Paul says, because I brought you Jesus, the gospel, and you rejoiced. And so these Galatians, this collection of churches, had this freedom in the gospel. They were just liberated from their sin. They were saved by Jesus, by grace alone. And they were just like, it was the best news that had ever come to them. Um, And now Paul says, why are you treating me like an enemy? Why? Because of false teachers. Verse 17. This is what he says about these false teachers. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you make much of them. That sound familiar? It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish that I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I'm perplexed about you. Modern translation, what is up with y'all? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? That's a pulse feeling here. Why would you exchange this for this? It doesn't make any sense. Um, anyone ever read Tom Sawyer in here? Okay, one person, thank you. Two, awesome. There's this author, his name is Mark Twain. He's wonderful. Um, you should check him out. He's, he's a prolific writer. He's brilliant. He's an American hero. You should really check him out. He wrote a book called Tom Sawyer, and there's a scene in Tom Sawyer, Aunt Polly tells Tom to go whitewash a fence on this gorgeous Saturday morning like we had yesterday. Tom doesn't want to go whitewash a fence on a Saturday morning. He wants to go fishing. He wants to do all the things Tom Sawyer does. And so uh, Tom somehow convinces Ben Rogers, as Ben is coming down the street, to do the job for him. How did he manage that? So Tom gets Ben to do this horrible job for him on a beautiful Saturday so Tom can go do what he wants. He tricks him, essentially. And Mark Twain explains this, and this is, this is brilliant. Mark Twain says this, In order to make a man or boy covet a thing, it is only necessary 
to make the thing difficult to attain. Isn't that good? That's what Paul's saying right here. These false teachers want to shut you out. And they want to make the insider status of really knowing Jesus and being a superstar Christian really hard to attain. You got to do this, 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 and this, and then you're in the club. Um, And if you decide to jump through the hoops that they're put in front of you to really get close to Jesus like they're telling you, um, you're going to make much of them, not Christ. That's what Paul's saying. That's what happens. Um, that's why we swim in a sea of celebrity pastorville. And there's like, right? It's like, that's a thing. I'm not saying all celebrity pastors are bad, evil, or wrong, but we are drawn. We, we just like, oh, whatever that person says, I'll just go do that. Paul says, it's Christ. Come back here. You have it all. You have what you need. They want to shut you out and therefore making it difficult for you to get to it. And then you're actually going to praise these false teachers for giving you all these hoops to jump through. You're falling back into slavery. Paul all along has been saying to have Christ is easy to attain. It was death for him, but it is freedom for you. And all you bring is the empty hands of faith and he gives you all. That's what he's saying. There's no inner ring in Christianity. There's no inner circle. Insiderness plays with our pride. We love insiders. We love insider clubs. We love to be on the email list with the secret insider flash club sales so that no one else is getting them, but really everyone else is getting them, right? We just love feeling like that. We have churches that build their whole stances on like, we're a cool church. We're only for this type of person. That's insiderness. And it has no business in the kingdom. We're edgy, we're cool, we're for this special niche. That's the opposite of Christianity. It denies justification by faith alone. In fact, it can deny that feeling in a church, that um, culture in a place amongst a people can exist even if it is preached against in the pulpit. So it really matters like what we do amongst one another, how we treat one another, how we treat those even outside of this place. The tone of a church can unsay what the doctrine of a church says. Do you know that? Some of us have been part of churches like that. Maybe we've done that in some case. I bet we probably have in some way or shape or form because we are by no means a perfect church. But boy, do we want Jesus to come in and just be a wrecking ball against those things in our lives. False teachers today may say things like this. You know, you guys are doing okay. Um, And you've probably gone as far as you can go. But if you're really serious about God, I've I've heard that a lot. 
then you might want to try out this. Uh, if you're really serious about God, you'll want uh, more than just his grace. See, we've break, broken through to a higher plane. Have you? You need to listen to us. We have God in a fresh and new way, it's often said. Be careful with that. That's not Christianity. I apologize. Um, that is prevalent in our culture. And believing it and chasing it tramples on the finished work of Jesus on the cross who said it is finished. These people, and a lot of these people don't even realize what they're doing. Um, maybe you're in here and you just are really attracted to that, those things and you long to chase those down. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that they've been captured by the devil to do his will. Wow, that's strong. Jesus warns us, those in the church, those in the club, that there are thieves and robbers that are going to come. Paul warns us against fierce wolves in Acts 20. So there are predatory people in the church. That's no surprise to us anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but they want to come in the church, and they want to have a pet project, and they want to get other people in on it. And they want to distract away by doing so to the grace of Jesus through the cross and his resurrection. Paul's saying, don't make that exchange. In fact, Paul says, let's get those people out. They don't need to propagate that in our midst. This church uh, is for men, women, and children who are beat up by the world that we walk out every week. And the things that we face the storms of life that we face. Uh, we get wounded by sin. We get wounded by people. Um, we get wounded by a lot of things. And this church, when we gather, we come in and we, um, we heal through the gospel without being pressured by weird religious uh, fringe ideologies that are really fun to chase rabbit holes down. We are not going to get involved in that. We're going to keep Christ central like Paul is telling us. All right, verse 19. Then we'll be done because I've gone too long. Um, it's an amazing insight into real, real, real Christianity. My little children, for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Um, this is called sanctification. Um, justification, you are saved by faith alone, through grace alone. How do you grow as a Christian? It's called sanctification. And Paul's saying, I want Christ formed in you. Um, our salvation is not a pay as you go, like you earn your salvation. It's final, it's complete, it's done through Christ. All we bring is the empty hands of faith. Now Paul changes subjects. And he's talking about sanctification. It is this deep internal change and it's Christ being formed in us. And Paul thinks these two things go hand in hand. 
God saves you, and then he begins to form you, and he begins to change who you are from the inside. Christ is formed in you. You don't just change your behavior. You're in, you, literally, your affections change because he's being formed in you. Um, Christianity changes you. So believer in Christ in here, how is Jesus changing you? How is the gospel making inroads in your life today, right now? Um, three things will be done that I want to just think on about Christ being formed in us. Number one, real sanctification, real growing in Christ is not conforming to outward rules it's Christ forming himself in us. A lot of people make the fatal mistake of thinking that Christianity is an intellectual assent to a certain set of ideas. It is not. A lot of people think it is uh, just an experience to chase. It is not. Um, it is about Christ saving you, then coming in and forming you, and not just obeying uh, a bunch of rules that you're trying to climb the religious ladder. It is a personal reality that you live and breathe and walk with every day. Two, when Christ is formed in anyone, someone else pays a price. Uh, Paul, said, Paul makes this clear when he says, I don't know if it's the beard. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, he says, I'm in the anguish of childbirth. And so really he's saying, I am willing to suffer like a mother giving birth to a child because uh, I long to, I joyfully walk through this suffering so that Christ would be formed in you. We want to be a church, a body of believers that would gladly suffer for the sake of others that Christ may be formed in each other. Churches fail and die because we just uh, grow or we just stop caring about each other. I don't want to suffer for them. I don't want that to be costly to me. And so I just won't. I'll think about me and go about my business. Christ says, we are to joyfully walk into even suffering so that our brothers and sisters would be formed by Christ. That's a church. That's a beautiful church. Many, many, many of you do that. And it is a joy to get to watch and see and hear stories of. I want all of us to be that way. Third, last thing. Christ being formed in us is more than individual. We do it together. I bring that up because that last word, Christ formed in you, is actually plural in the original language, the Greek. Uh, so the Texan translation, Christ be formed in y'all how it should read. We should submit that to the ESV. Um, we, we, this isn't just like, uh, we live in a world that it's like everything's done on a little screen and everything is individualized, everything, you don't even, we don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. It's like you just push a button and they come to your door. We don't like talk to people. We don't have to interact with people. And I know there's been a lot of barriers that are going to come against, that have come against that uh, for very real purposes. But Christianity is not a Lone Ranger uh, video screen. Do it like that forever and ever and ever. It is, it is a call to do this together, to sacrifice and serve together, to love and be and exalt Christ together. 
that Christ would be formed in y'all. And that's collectively. Like we should think about one another in that same way. So if you've been coming to this church for a long time, we're not a big church by any means. And you don't know someone, let's get to know one another so we can find out how we can help be part of Christ being formed in one another. It's not, it's not just the job of pastors or people that volunteer that you think, oh man, they're, the, they're, they're always volunteering. It's everyone in on this. That's what builds a beautiful culture of a church where the world can look in on it and get in on it and we can look in on what God is doing in our midst and say, God can take a mess like me and Christ can even be formed in me. I want everyone to be part of this. That's what he's longing to do in our midst. That's what he's longing to do in you. He wants your heart to have a Christ formed in y'all mentality for each one of these people in here and those that are watching as well. Let's be that kind of church. We're not a niche group of people. We're not catering to a specific thing. There's no insiderness. Anyone can get in on this through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is risen. Let's pray together, church. God, we are thankful for you. God, we're, we're grateful for your word. Lord, that, um, that verse 19 in particular is just a wrecking ball in our lives of complacent status quo, insiderness, even Christianity. God, I pray that if any of that exists in our midst here, God, would you root it out? And God, would we stand on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the goodness of his gospel? Would we not... (laughs) dump it for something else because it's appealing to um, some insider club. God, we want no part of that. Help us be a people whose church culture matches our doctrine. Forgive us when we fail, and we do often, but make us into your image as your people and have Christ be formed in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship church.